Solving Sacramento. There's a hum in the city around the year 2040. Sounds distant and mysterious, right? But really, you know, it's only about 16 years away. And while, yeah, we're likely to continue to see advancements in technology, transportation, politics, you name it, it'll probably just be a little different than what we're used to right now. And when that day comes, two people will lead humanity against an army of machines programmed only for destruction. Sorry, wait a second. When that day comes, these two will have been planning ahead. From Solving Sacramento, I'm Nick Bruner. This is Housing in the Capital. This series is centered around housing in California's capital city, something of a microcosm around what's happening nationwide. Our conversation today is between two people applying the future to the present moment and vice versa. From adapting to continued home shortages and rent hikes to holding shop with first-time home buyers about how to stay local, who are these neighborhood-empowering, art-supporting, future robot-fighting community developers? Hi, I'm Danielle Foster from the Capital Area Development Authority, CADA, and we do community development work. We are cultivating community within the neighborhoods around the capital. Yo, this is Rashawn Davis with Unseen Heroes and Culture. We are developers of community and really cool stuff. I began working in city planning and community development in the region a little over 20 years ago. I joined the City of Sacramento team in 2019, ready to give back to my community. And our paths crossed during that time, Rashawn, as I heard you presenting on a project concerning providing housing for our artist community and especially looking at ownership opportunities for the artist community. How did your background lead you to that place? What What brought you to the interest in housing and focused on diverse artists? For me, I've just always been an artist. I've always been a creative. I've always been someone who just utilized their creativity to thrive, I guess you would say. So it's always been a part of me, you know, since, I mean, as young as I can remember, remember writing poetry, you know, remember making raps in like high school in my bedroom. So to me, there's just like this very core part of who I am that is an artist, is a creative. Then I have this little piece about always looking out for the little guy representing for the underdog, you know, which brings the city into perspective. So, you know, Sacramento's always been one of those cities that is like, I, I feel like we have a chip on our shoulder because we aren't, San Francisco, or it used to be. I feel like it's changing now, but for a long time, it's we weren't LA, we weren't San Francisco, we weren't New York. So, like for me, it's like, how do we implement things here to make this place better? And for me, it always starts with creativity. So, with that, that's kind of how all of this came about. And then, specifically around housing during the pandemic, one of our friends, Julie Young, reached out and just really started talking to me about ownership and how not to be displaced in a lot of these different spaces. And we had a beautiful conversation and she's one of those people like, yo, we can get generational wealth 
not in five generations. We can have it start now. And so she talked to me about development and like really kind of showed me the ropes of how we can do that. And so then it was like, okay, like, what would this mean if we actually own space? What would this mean if we owned our homes and the places that we live in or that we do business in? Part of my background, too, living in Oak Park and doing business below where I lived, I got to see some of those benefits where you only pay one smud bill or you only pay one Wi-Fi. So it's actually like a cost reduction as well, right? So when you stack those on top of those, that's kind of how we came up with the concept for the Nest. The Nest project being like, how do you take a single family lot, split it into eight parcels, give ownership opportunities to eight different artists, creatives, and then have them live work, right? And then also create community around it where they can open up on first Friday or second Saturday and all kind of be in unison and make money to then pay for living there. So that's how I got into housing. Just like literally a conversation with Julie and she was like, we're about to get this done. And it was right around the time of COVID and changes happening in our local housing market. We started seeing a big influx of folks coming from the Bay Area and our housing prices continuing to go up. So we saw challenges happening there. And then at the city, we were focused on the Aggie Square development, the development around the UC Davis Medical Center, and trying to figure out how to stabilize housing in that area of the city, which includes parts of Oak Park. And so it became a logical connection to me of reaching back out to culture as part of our community outreach uh, the community wanted to see more home ownership opportunities. Um, so we did a process of identifying partners that could help us with anti-displacement programming. And our paths crossed again. As you're telling that story, I was, I was just thinking part of the reason why we didn't get the nest off the ground, I think, is why we really connected when, you know, found 13 creative people in Sacramento, said, hey, we have this opportunity where you can own your building, live where you work, all these benefits. All you have to do is get qualified for a loan. And out of the 13, none of them could get qualified based on credit, job history, you name it, taxes. And so that's really when I figured out that there was a bigger problem that mm -hmm. we needed to address before we even got into development was like, how do we solve that? Can you talk a little bit about well, what the Culture Keeper program is and what the community response was when you introduced it? Yeah. So Culture Keeper program is our first time homebuyer program. It kind of sits under that, but there's a, some other things that we're working on under there as well. But it's just like, how do we keep culture in neighborhoods is the, the big thing about it, right? With our first time homebuyer program, we are taking 25 people through an eight-week course on home ownership. Through these eight weeks, they learned just the basics of home buying, like what they should look out for. Um, we brought in lending partners, so they got to talk to lenders. We brought in, like, you know, other ancillary things around the house. Um, so folks got to talk to, like, you know, a pest control person. And what we found is, you know, folks are ready for this, 
but they just didn't have the education component. So, you know, for us to be able to sit in space every Saturday for eight weeks and just like really teach them not only about the process of actually purchasing your home, but also like how to maintain it, how to keep it. That's what I'm hearing, how to be a homeowner. And then also then how to be a better person in the city. You know, so in that last eight weeks, we're talking about civic engagement and what it means when you own your home in a zip code and who your, you know, council member is. So you can really start to play an active role in community. Someone in our cohort had been living in Oak Park for 28 years and had never owned a home because wow. she just didn't think that she could. Um, other folks in there have, you know, been displaced multiple times where they rented a place and the owner sold it and wanted to live in it. So then she had to move somewhere else and the owner sold it, wanted to live in it. Just being able to move the needle on those things has just been amazing. And when you introduced the program, how many applicants did you get? So we put it out for two weeks and there was 367 applicants, which just goes to show you the need for housing, Mm -hmm. you know, and like when you, you know, it's, it's interesting to hear all of these different pieces of the housing conversation, but when you start to see the data in real time, it changes and for me, you know, it like really changed like how we approach the work too. like we can put something out for two weeks and be specific about this zip code or these zip codes and folks from these zip codes are applying and there's 367 and we only have a spot for 25. There's a demand there that that has to be addressed, you know, and so for a lot of folks, people think of like housing being just like someone who's unhoused issue but there's people who are living like check to check that if they miss one payment the landlord may kick them out you know so we we address that in a different way but kind of putting that education component in there to make sure that it's there and we can change that narrative by the year 2040 and you brought together a partnership in response, right? The city provided funding towards this. Culture is, of course, the lead, but you brought in a lot of professionals in the real estate area, in the home ownership maintenance side of things. I mean, it's, I think collaboration has strengthened our response and, and I hope it will continue to do so. What opportunities do you see going forward on that realm? Yeah, you know, I think for me, collaboration is key you know it's like you don't know what you don't know you know and I feel like a lot of times if you're stuck in a space where you feel like you know it everything you're probably not the right person in the room to get it done but what about you I want to hear about affordable housing from your side like what what drives you like what keeps you working late nights I think the exciting thing that I am seeing in our community is more creativity about how to respond to the Mm. needs of affordable housing. And in the same vein of collaboration, you know, more people coming to the table and more people thinking through options and what resources they can bring to have more housing and a range of housing types in Sacramento, which is really thrilling for me to see. So I'm grateful for our local developers 
who are tapping into this space, um, maybe even outside of their comfort zone to think about how do we do workforce housing? How do we do first-time home ownership? And I think what we're starting to see are different sectors figuring out what their best resources and skills are mm-hmm. to bring to this challenge um, so that we can piece those together and most effectively you know, provide a range of housing types for Sacramento. Mm-hmm. So that's where I get excited is having the opportunity to have those conversations and something I just want to keep nurturing and supporting. You're right. We have to think of the whole person, all of the components that help someone be successful. I mean, housing is definitely stability and support. But if you don't have the income to pay for housing or the transportation or all of the many components that go into successful stability, then, yeah, you don't have an active community member who wants to stay, who can engage with Sacramento and support it. You know, like I said, 2008, when we first started Unseen, like literally like all of our creative friends were leaving, you know, whereas now it's 15 years later, you know, like folks are now starting to move here. You also have the folks, which I appreciate a lot. And I think it goes unnoticed a lot, but like the folks who have gone out and made a name for themselves in different cities are representing for Sacramento and then like bringing culture back. And I think that goes unnoticed a lot because we get our heads focused down on like what's happening here, but there are a lot of folks who have made it to high, high levels and still represent Sacramento on a national level, which then turns around and creates better opportunities for us here, you know, and so now we have from the pandemic on, we're reading, you know, all these different studies where Sacramento's becoming a mega region and folks from San Francisco are now coming, you know, so, you know, for us who have been here for a long time, it's like, yeah, we told you. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've been this, you know, so it's it's dope to to see it in that way. And I think as long as, you know, we continue to collaborate, like those opportunities will continue to to happen and be able to effectively change the culture of Sacramento by the year 2040. <laughs> well, and exciting for us as CADA, because we are a state and city partnership organization. So I think Sacramento was a little city in the past. I think I think we've fully grown into the capital city. I'm sure it will continue. We're the little engine that could. <laughs> Next up, we travel to the not that distant future to fight the G word. Housing in the capital is back in a minute from Solving Sacramento. Support for Housing in the Capital comes from Outward Magazine, the largest and most respected LGBTQ publication for Sacramento and Northern California, and a member of the Solving Sacramento Journalism Collaborative. Read more at outwardmagazine.com. This is Housing in the Capital. I'm Nick Bruner. This week's conversation is between the executive director of CADA, the California Area Development Authority, Danielle Foster and Roshan Davis, Executive Director of Culture. 
On this side of the episode, how Kata has been adapting to the city's needs and how Roshan and Danielle are helping to stave off the typical problems around gentrification. Speaking of that, Roshan mentioned the year 2040 a handful of times throughout this recording. And that's because 2040 is the year that Sacramento is focusing on for its next general plan. I always kind of give this picture to folks. Like, there are people right now, and it sounds funny to say, but it's real. Like, there are people right now that work at the city that go drive into their office in 2023, sit down at their desk, get teleported to 2040, and work on, like, what Sacramento's going to look like in 2040. Then they clock out, and then they're back in 2023. If we don't have as a community and talking about folks on the grassroots, right, if we don't have that ability to do the same, then we're going to get the same results because the folks that are planning for 2040 right now aren't necessarily folks from the community. And that's been one of the gaps that exist in Sacramento for a long time. When I look at 2030, I'm looking at How many partnerships did we create? How many community-driven initiatives did we create? I'm looking at where the planning for, let's just say, the Broadway corridor. I think that's one of the main spaces that we can kind of see it happen now. Is like when you drive down the Broadway corridor now, it looks a lot different than it did two years ago, right? Because now all of these developments are going up. But if we look, 2023 being 2030, they're going to be housing there. There's housing being built right there right now. So what kind of community activations can we have there? How can we have community space there? So now it's like building those partnerships out and like meeting with some of the developers over there and saying like, okay, you have 136 units coming over here. What are the amenities for the community? How do we help with that? So just aligning with that a little bit more. But I think like 2030, when I look at it, I look at like the Broadway corridor as one of those spaces that's going to look completely different right before our eyes. Kata has focused most of its energy into the capital area around the state capital here. And then, of course, added the R Street corridor um, in the 90s. And we've seen great success in all counts of the revitalization of both of these neighborhoods. I think what we are starting to see more of is some of that work, more residential properties happening down R Street. Um, to the west. And we are looking at more of the downtown, given the shifts that have happened in employment downtown and the opportunities to bring more residents downtown. So as Cato, we're looking for more development partners and creative solutions to provide a variety of housing downtown. I think with the loss of redevelopment funding that happened in 2012, We've seen a decrease in kind of that workforce housing component. And so we've got market rate developers coming to the table with us and figuring out how do we do this cross collaboration with nonprofits and have an efficient use of space, higher density housing that we can provide at, you know, workforce housing prices so that we have employees that don't have to commute very far to get to work. Mm -hmm. 
And we have employees that are here on the weekends and supporting the vibrant qualities of downtown. Kate is really stepping more into the space of how can we help facilitate more residents and more events and more art downtown and be a supporter of those pieces and and help with those conversations also. I think this is one of the things just coming from the creative class, like not really understanding our value. Coming into a neighborhood and creating content, whether it be storefronts, block parties, you know, music circles, writer circles, like all of these different things that are just natural to us as creatives. And then the equity that comes with it, you know, that was a lot of kind of like what got me into like the ownership side. Moved into Oak Park in 2014 before kind of like the big boom in Oak Park and doing a lot of work out there. And then maybe six years in going and finally being able to afford to buy a home and then couldn't buy a home in Oak Park, which is crazy to me. Then year after year, seeing the equity in my house in Greenhaven go up, you know, and just then being and saying like, oh, if this is how it goes up in Greenhaven, how did it go up in Oak Park? You Mm -hmm. know, in spaces that we really made cool, you know? And so I think that's kind of one of those things that I remember us talking about is just like, There needs to be ownership opportunities for creatives. I remember during COVID it coming up even more around the value of the creative community because it was keeping us together and holding us, you know, together in this spirit of Sacramento and that we're in this together. And it was very apparent that the artist community was an integral part of that work. Is this not like the eternal problem though i mean is this not gentrification is this not we have a creative class that makes a place cool and now that people now that group can't afford to live in the place they made cool they gotta go somewhere else exactly like is there what gives the two of you hope like like, what are you seeing in this iteration Mm -hmm. of of this collaboration that gives the two of you excitement about hey here uh here's 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 how we're we're building off of that here's how it's not the same old story Mm -hmm. i think for me i i have lived through the gentrification of oak park Our Culture Keeper program is literally an anti-gentrification tool. When you can put people who have lived in a neighborhood for 28 years, 10 years, or whatever it may be, when you can change that from being renters to being owners, like that's how you create like lock in space. And that's what it's all about. Like if we don't own, then we can't bring culture in. That's how I would do it. Obviously, it doesn't really flow like that, but like the more and more that we get people to really understand, like as creatives, as artists, like the neighborhood and the needle doesn't move without us. So if we can get ahead of it in these spaces and come up with community ways to own that dilapidated building that the owner doesn't even live in Sacramento, he lives in Folsom and owns and can't even find his key. If we can take that away and own that as either few of us or a group of us, then that creates those roots. And that's what it's all about is like getting those roots, but those roots don't happen until we own. And so that's why it's so important for home ownership with creatives or like business ownership. And then once it happens, there's upside. Like 
like let's I'll be real like gentrification is going to happen like it is the cycle of a neighborhood the value is going to go up it is going to happen but how we put in place these anti-gentrification tools of ownership in the right folks hands what do they say all ships raise tides or oh, rising raising tides, tides raise all, all ships. ships and that's really what like we're looking for here it's not like we're going to stop a neighborhood from developing but ownership 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 between community and i say community and the folks that actually live in the neighborhoods and I think Kata was doing some of this work early. I mean, Kata did the wall project, the warehouse artist lofts with CFY development early on. And, you know, there has been some focus on how do we keep the creative community in Sacramento. But I think what's exciting to me now is we've got champions in the space that are focused on artists specifically. And so the creation of culture as a community development corporation is a big deal because we have nonprofits who've been or for-profits that have been dabbling in the work of providing housing for artists. But now we have an organization that is really focused on that in a full force way. I think we're also seeing more policy shifts in the city side of things where, um, there was a lot of conversation with Aggie Square around anti-displacement, I think more so than was done at Oak Park, mm. you know, mm -hmm. and that's what was overlooked at Oak Park. And I think with the Aggie Square development specifically, there were resources set aside. I mean, $10 million, $5 million from the city, $5 million from uh, the university to work on housing programs. So that's a big deal. And that's yeah. a big investment. You know, ensuring that the people who already have wealth that want to stay in a community or have have a place in the community have the ability to stay. I think we're just looking more holistically at the issue. And there's that um, convergence of, you know, not just anti-displacement programming, but also the cultural arts side of things. Me, like that's part of the culture keeper work is like the cultural preservation of our neighborhoods you know like i grew up in a neighborhood called lincoln village and you know outside of that space people would probably say like oh that's an underserved neighborhood but to me i call it a culturally rich neighborhood for me it's like how do we better serve our neighborhoods you know i always think about hip-hop just in general like hip-hop started just on a on a block, you know, and, in a neighborhood, in a neighborhood, you know, and now it's like this 50 year tradition that's been around. And it's like, that's how we shape and move culture on a grand level. As the city of Sacramento's 2040 general plan is coming together, read up on the goals laid out in the 2035 general plan linked in this week's show notes. KedaNet.org. That's where you can find an apartment, learn about the organization's commitment to inner city developments, and find out more about what Daniel Foster is up to. Again, that's C-A-D-A-Net.org. And from small businesses and creatives marketing their work to workshops on buying your first home, more of Roshan Davis's endeavors are at CLTRE.org. 
We want your housing questions, your experiences, your comments. Have you tried to find a rental downtown lately? Shoot us an email, info at solvingsacramento.org. Also check out that website. It's where you'll find articles around housing in the city from our partner outlets, Cap Radio, Outward, Russian American Media, the Sacramento Business Journal, Sacramento News and Review, Sacramento Observer, and Univision 19. Solving Sacramento's project manager is Sina Christian. Our project editor is Kat Graziosi. I'm Nick Bruner. I record, produce, and host these episodes. Our theme music, composed and performed by Lillian Francis. Every week I have something next to her name. I have brackets that say, plug something cool. Everything Lillian does is cool. She also climbs big rocks and records music up there for NPR Tiny Desk Contests. Go find that out on YouTube. LillianFrancisMusic.com will also round everything up uh, just for you. Next time. I think what we need are more rich developers. And I'm just going to go out there and say it. And especially if you're an old rich developer, you've done this. You've been kicked in the shins a lot. And it happens. People get wiped out. Stay subscribed. We'll see you then. This podcast is supported by funding from the Solutions Journalism Network.